We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Tuesday edition of the Roadwire NBA podcast. It is Tuesday, February 7th. Nick Whalen here with James Anderson. Uh, James, we are almost exactly 48 hours out from the NBA trade deadline, of course, on Thursday afternoon. Uh, I appreciate you. I, I know you're in the thick of fantasy baseball prep season, but uh, appreciate you coming on to, to discuss the Kessler Edwards trade, which just broke a couple minutes ago. Yeah, but, uh, I, I read it really fast and I thought Walker Kessler. And then I was just like, oh, no, never mind. It's not It's not exciting at all. Yeah. Honestly, the worst thing for Kessler Edwards was that somebody else with, with Kessler involved entered the league, and he's just as uh, irrelevant as it gets. But obviously, we'll, we'll start with the Kyrie trade from Sunday afternoon. You know, we've had a good 48 hours to, to ruminate on that. Uh, we should see Kyrie make his Mavericks debut on Wednesday. Um, but other than that, it's, it's been a waiting game. You know, it's, it's a lot of the same names that we've been batting around for for months now and kind of waiting to see what teams like Toronto end up doing at the deadline. So we'll talk about some of those possibilities, but Kyrie to the Mavericks, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith picks, uh, other things involved uh, going back to Brooklyn. Initial reaction to that deal, James? Uh, I thought it was really exciting, really fun. Uh, Just kind of materialized out of nowhere and, and got done like 48 hours after the original uh, trade request so that was that was nice that it didn't draw out and uh, I think it just makes the whole situation more interesting to me uh, I think the the Nets are still very intriguing and they could be a, a really scary out in the Eastern Conference and the Mads now have this really really high offensive ceiling and it kind of makes them interesting again I think both teams are kind of ticketed for second round exits mm-hmm. uh maybe even first round exits uh, prior to those trades and uh, so i just i liked it a lot uh for most of the parties involved given the circumstances involved i mean the mavs are about as desperate as it gets other than a team like the lakers and and they're okay. probably just as desperate as the lakers so uh this isn't a trade i would have liked for the majority of teams but mm-hmm. You know, but Luca's going to leave the Mavs if they don't get better, regardless of whether they play everything smart. So taking a big swing like this, I, I understand it from from their standpoint. So I, I want to stick on the Mavericks part of this and go a little deeper on that because I think in general, pretty much everybody agreed that you know, yes, in a vacuum, given the circumstances, the Nets did okay here. They they still brought in two players who can at least keep them afloat or help keep them afloat. And when you factor in Kyrie's lack of availability, you know, maybe gives them a a little bit more stability as the postseason approaches. And I do think that's a big part of the reason, by the way, that Kyrie did not end up in LA, uh, one of probably several reasons. But 
the Lakers have nobody to offer who is appealing whatsoever for a team that wants to bring back win now pieces. Like if you're not including LeBron and you're not including Anthony Davis, there's literally no one else on that roster uh, who makes sense for a team like Brooklyn. And I think that was uh, something that was a little under discussed as far as why the Lakers weren't able to, to push that across the finish line. But going back to the Dallas side of things, I mean, the initial reaction that I saw at least was pretty heavily negative uh, on the Maverick side. And, you know, I, I understand the risk and the reward. Like obviously their, their ceiling is now a little bit higher. We've seen Kyrie succeed alongside LeBron, who's about as similar of a, a ball dominant player as you're going to find to Luca. But to me, the, the biggest thing is, you know, obviously you're worried about this year, but like you alluded to keeping Luka Doncic long-term, like if this is the big swing, I mean, this is quite literally as risky as it gets. I don't think it's going to work, uh, but I, and and I think it's probably going to end poorly, but I don't think anything else was really going to work either. Uh, they just, you know, to, to get a second star there before Luca starts agitating to get out, I just don't know how they had the pieces or how that was going to work. Like who, who was the guy that they were getting mm-hmm. instead of Kyrie Irving, who's, uh, similar talent and and has less sort of question marks i just don't think that player was going to become available anytime soon uh i mean the mavericks they're in this mess because of them making prior mistakes to this i I think that this is very very heavily uh correlated to the jalen brunson disaster because this is sort of a way for them to you know, they're, they're trying to fix that mistake, right? Like this, Mm -hmm. this wouldn't have been necessary if they had never made the sort of original sin of, of completely botching the the Brunson thing. And now I think they're sort of chasing to sort of cover for that. I mean, if they, you know, lost in the first round or, or maybe even didn't get out of the play in or something like that. And then Jalen Brunson's over there in the Eastern conference playing in the first round with the Knicks like that would have been just such a terrible look and Luca could start to kind of put the pieces together a lot quicker on that front. Um, so I, I think that this is all kind of stems from that and I wouldn't bet on it working, but the road not traveled here is basically just being a kind of 47 win team for the next couple of years and Luca eventually leaving. You're completely right about that. And even though they did include two key role players in Dinwiddie and Finney Smith, two second rounders. And then I was, I was fairly surprised. There's no protections on that 2029 first round pick that, that they sent to Brooklyn. So I, I think, again, the Nets did a pretty decent job recouping value here, but that's also not enough to get a real top 10 non Kyrie Irving player in the league via trade. So I, I think you are right that they made that calculation and said, look, we, we can get a guy who is as close to a true difference maker as we're possibly going to get. And we're getting him at a discount because he's damaged goods at this point. And it's basically the same calculation that the Lakers made. I think there are some major parallels between the Mavs with Jalen Brunson and the Lakers trading for Russell Westbrook uh, in terms of, you know, not only the on-court effect of those two players, but what it's meant in terms of limiting what those franchises can do flexibility wise. So to me, it's not a coincidence that the Lakers and the Mavs were the two teams that seem to be at the top of this. Uh, I view this as a massive missed opportunity for the Lakers. I I think this was their one get out of jail free card. I think this was their, their really their only true path to contending this season. And, you know, they'll probably make some sort of mid-level sad move at the deadline on Thursday that they'll sell as this big upgrade. But I, I, I just, a lot of the risks that we talked about with Kyrie going to Dallas, those same risks would exist in LA a hundred percent, you know, chances are it's not going to work out, but as currently constructed, this is nowhere near a title team. You throw Kyrie on this roster in, in a, a very crowded Western conference it becomes interesting. So, you know, the Lakers not landing Kyrie to me, it's, you know, all of a sudden you can basically turn the page uh, and start looking at next season. Yeah. hundred percent. I I echo all of that and, and you're 100% right with the, you know, just comes back to the Westbrook trade again, Uh, that the trade that continues to prevent this team for, from being a, a realistic threat to do anything because if they just had, if they just had a, a KCP and a Kyle Kuzma on the roster, maybe even if they just had one of those two, if they just, yep. if they just had Kuzma or just had KCP, maybe they can sort of 
you know, string together the, the, the now players that the Nets are looking for to make it happen. But they just couldn't even come close. Like they didn't have a player close to as good as Dinwiddie or Finney Smith to offer. So, um, you know, just really kind of hamstrung. Mm-hmm. Their, their only chance here, I think, was if uh, a team like Dallas didn't emerge with a real package like this. You know, I think the Lakers might have been able to beat packages from the the Clippers or maybe the Suns. But uh, I mean, this was this is a real return for for the Nets that kind of keeps them in things this year. I think you could make the argument if you want to go like extremely pro Lakers that, hey, you know, maybe Brad Beal shakes loose. Maybe, I don't know, you know, Fred Van Vliet is a name that's been linked to the Lakers. I think they'll run into the exact same issues. Like they can offer that package. They could put the two firsts on the table. They could put the Russ expiring. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe they're willing to include one of their blue chip young players like Max Christie or, or Austin Reeves. But there's going to be other teams that can swoop in and beat any of those offers. And that's what it comes down to. So, yeah, the Lakers are stuck. They're in a terrible spot. We knew that going in. And to me, this really felt like their their only option. Beyond those two teams, the other two that were mentioned were uh, the LA Clippers and the Phoenix Suns. The Clippers, to me, I I, I get it. They're going to be linked to, to any of these guys, but they're kind of like the Lakers to me. Like Unless you're putting Kawhi or PG on the table, I, I don't know who anybody's really all that interested in. Like I know Terrence Mann has some value. It's like Luke Kennard okay player on a terrible contract. They have no future picks. I, I don't really see the Lake or the Clippers as a serious player in, in these type of deals, but I, I feel like it went just completely under the radar that the Suns were willing to put Chris Paul on this deal. Yeah. And I think, <laughs> I think that there's some, it seems like some, some signals are crossed within the Suns with the new ownership coming in and like I don't see James Jones being the driving force behind that deal. I think it's the new owner, uh, Matt Ishbia. Uh, he's gonna want. He's gonna be all over Kyrie. Uh, he's gonna be all over you know trying to agitate any way possible to try to get Durant. Uh, he's gonna try to get something involved with the the Raptors guys. Like I just, I I just don't think it would be um, like precedent tells us that the new owner is going to want to kind of move some pieces around. And the Suns are a team that it seems needs some pieces to be moved around for them to be kind of taken seriously this year. So I think they're going to be trying to be involved with lots of Mm -hmm. stuff. And, you know, is there a team that views DeAndre Ayton as an asset? Uh, that has a a big man they could send back. You know, is there what is the market for Chris Paul? Like, what what could you build around Cameron Johnson? Like, I think there there's going to be a lot of stuff they're sniffing around here. Well, what do you think about the CP market in general? Like, to me, I, again, I was surprised that they would have been willing to essentially swap Chris Paul for Kyrie Irving. Uh, I mean, is that just kind of endemic of, of how Chris Paul has looked this season? Like is, is Kyrie in his current form, you know, that big of an upgrade even on the court from Chris Paul when he's locked in? Is it just kind of fear that, that that late season annual injury is coming for Chris Paul and he's just going to drop off at some point in the postseason? Like if you're if you're the Suns and you're 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 presumably looking to win the title this year, like I I just like who are you trading Chris Paul for that you feel better about winning in 2023 specifically? Um uh, you know, Fred Van Vliet, maybe. Um, I I just think it's – I think you look at this team objectively and I just – I think it's hard to take them serious as a threat this year. And so if you're not a threat this year with Chris Paul, are you going to be a threat next year with Chris Paul when he's a year older? Like, I, it, if, if you're not a threat this year, then I think it makes a ton of sense to just trade Chris Paul if you can get positive value for him and and kind of just get younger and, and keep building around the the Booker Bridges core. Hopefully, you're you're adding a, a third bigger piece, like a, a star to pair with Booker to kind of take the Chris Paul mm-hmm. spot eventually. Here, I mean, they they have draft picks to trade, um, but I, I just I don't take this team seriously with Chris Paul against teams like the Nuggets or the the Grizzlies or the Warriors. Uh, I just think there's too many 
there's too many bad vibes. There's too many question marks with Chris Paul's yeah. health and durability. And like, you know, DeAndre Ayton's taking a step back. It just doesn't seem like a real contender to me. When did that switch flip for you? Like, was it after the playoff flame out last year? Like you, you just got it done going down that road. Uh, well, I, I don't think I, I, I never really bought into the, the Suns as like championship contenders. Uh, over a team like the Warriors mm-hmm. last year, but um, I don't know. I, I just haven't really had any faith in Chris Paul being able to go four playoff series deep for a while. Uh, and then uh, what happened last year and just all the bad blood between like Monty Williams and DeAndre and stuff, it's just, yeah, I, I think they're, you can kind of tell sometimes when these teams are just sort of, kind of past the expiration date like that was the case with the the jazz like it became super clear for like 18 months before that ended up kind of falling apart uh this this kind of seems like the same type of thing like they need to shake something up all right so let's look at the net side of this uh you know as we mentioned it it seems like they were universally praised to to some degree for for getting what they could for Kyrie. you know recouping some draft value in 2029 but the unprotected first uh you know it i still think they took a step back in the short term, I, I do think this team is a little more interesting now with, with Kevin Durant as the unquestioned number one guy. Like the, I don't even know if there's anybody you could call a true number two on this team. And you know, we've never really seen him in a situation like this for an extended period of time, you know, injury situations aside. So they can now roll out, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie, Royce O'Neal, KD, Dorian Finney-Smith, Nick Claxton, and then you have you know some mix of... Ben Simmons, TJ Warren, Edmund Summer, Curry, Harris, like they they are relatively deep. Uh now that the title odds moved in the complete opposite direction. Like as soon as this trade broke, you know, they moved down to like 20 to 1 from around 10 to 1 at the DK Sportsbook. I I get that, but I I sense that you have a, a little bit of optimism for what this team could be the rest of the season assuming that that Kevin Durant does stay put. Well, I would be on this team if they just had like Bogdanovich in the Ben Simmons spot or something like that. Um, I just <laughs> I, I'm, I, I am really I think this team could beat any team in a playoff series uh, if you have a fully healthy Kevin Durant because they have the pieces to be you know a top five-ish defense really around Kevin Durant and Kevin Durant could be the best offensive player in the playoffs so that combination of having a guy who could be the best player in a series and a lockdown defense where everyone sort of knows their roles on offense I think that could be very dangerous and very potent but I don't think having a dead roster spot occupying 40 million of your cap is it's going to work, you know, like I, they could beat any team, but I just can't see them winning four series uh, with Ben Simmons occupying that, that roster spot. Uh, but I think what they might be able to do is kind of just phase him into more of a, like he's their eighth or ninth man type of role because they just have enough pieces now where they don't really need him at all. Not that he was giving them anything, but I mean, at this point, they basically kind of need him to sort of be the backup center, and that's about it. And they might still have time to upgrade on backup center. So uh, I don't see them winning the title, but I think they could beat any team in the playoffs. I mentioned this on the pod with Alex last week, but we may need to remove one of Ben Simmons' basketball reference nicknames, Simo the Savage. Is he a <laughs> savage anymore? I think he's lost <laughs> savage status. Yeah. No. Um <laughs> Still can't believe that uh, I still can't believe Maury got bailed out on that one. Like I was unbelievable. I was I was hoping, and it seemed like he wasn't gonna get it. Like it just seemed like he was gonna be stuck with it, and then the Harden thing happens. Um, but I mean that that's just such a. If you want to talk about the the Nets messing things up, I think you can trace it back to them caving uh, on the James Harden thing last year. Yep. Hundred percent, and then like you, you have basically the exact same thing happens this year. Kevin Durant gets hurt, and then as soon as Harden has to play without Durant for a week or two, he's like, "Get me out of here!" As soon as Kyrie has to play without Durant for a week or two, he's like, "Get me out of here!" 
but if they just held firm with Harden last year and said, you know, you can keep not trying, but we're not going to trade you to Philly. Mm. Uh, what's he going to do? Is he just going to not try after the trade deadline heading into free agency? You know, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think it's been talked about enough until recently just how bad the Simmons contract is. Like, I, I don't know if the average fan realizes how dire this situation has become because Simmons had that little stretch, like, what, a month into the year where he started off slow, was kind of in and out, and then he actually played pretty well for, like, 10 or 15 games. But, I mean, he has completely lost all confidence. He's down to, like, 40% at the line. Not that he's getting there all that often. Um, I, I think we're to the point now where it's going to take some sort of, like, hard reset, meaning go just play in Charlotte for a year or two and see what happens for him to ever have any chance to, to be back to the player that he was in Philly. Like I, I just, I, what, what are the odds right now that he ever reaches that type of peak again, where he's averaging like 16, eight and eight with two steals and he's making first team all defense, like 5%, 10%. I don't know. I mean, definitely, definitely single digit percentages. And, uh, they, are probably just stuck with it. I, I mean, I think you could make a case for attaching if if you could attach basically your remaining draft <laughs> equity to get off of him, uh, and then use the cap space in a different way in the off season. I I would kind of advise that. I just there's no way they'll do that because of how bad it would make them look, you know, nationally and in the eyes of Kevin Durant where. You could you could look at what you got for Kyrie Irving and James Harden, and it's just um, Spencer Dinwiddie and Dorian Finney-Smith. I mean, it just looks so bad. But um, I think they're just stuck with this, and that that's that's what's such a bummer. Is I, I'd love to see a team where Kevin Durant is the superstar, and you just have a bunch of awesome role players around him. I think that team could win the title, uh, kind of in sort of a, a Dirk Mavs type of way. Um, but I, I think the Simmons spot is just going to make that kind of impossible. So we started to get the, the usual tweets around this time of year when there's a situation like this from Woj, uh, you know, tweets about Durant saying something, but also really saying nothing at the same time. Uh, you know, kind of reiterating that the Suns are, are standing by whenever Kevin Durant wants to be traded, the Suns will happily accept him. Uh, is it more fun? If, if Durant plays out the season in Brooklyn with, with quote unquote, his own team for the first time and forever, or is it more fun if some team steps up, they make him available or he asks out and all of a sudden Kevin Durant moves locations at the trade deadline and could completely shift, you know, the direction of one conference or the other, depending on where he lands. Uh, I just don't know what the, I don't think there's like a fit out there really. Uh, like how, what team, can give the Nets what it would take for them to trade Durant and still have enough left to go compete for a title. I just, I don't know if that well, exists. So I, I, I would, prices, I'd like, right? I mean, I, this whole time, the one thing the Nets have been extremely consistent with is they don't want to part with Durant. And yeah. so I, I don't even know if they would, if they would, um, I think they would just call his bluff probably. Like if you if you trade Kevin Durant this year, then you're just I, I don't know what package you get that keeps you relevant. So I, I just don't really see it happening. I mean I I'd like him to be off this team just because uh you know, this I could just kind of ignore this Ben Simmons roster <laughs> for the next couple of years while that contract plays out and Durant just for, could for be, personal reasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be it'd be more fun if he was on the suns and somehow they didn't have to give up Booker or bridges and somehow they had a quality big man still or something like that. But I just don't see how that happens. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, 
the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, <laughs> I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm just going to throw out some teams and look, I, I know the Nets asking price has been exorbitant and it totally makes sense for them to take this into the off season. And if, if, and in my mind, when he wants to be moved at that point, you're going to have more teams that could come to play. You're going to have, uh, you know, I, I think more leverage if you're the Nets at that point, more time to, to kind of survey the market. But if that asking price becomes even semi-realistic, like I, I think Boston, I think Philly, Toronto, Memphis, New Orleans, OKC, Minnesota, and of course, Phoenix. Those are the teams that could really make something happen if they want. But you are right. I mean, the asking price is going to be enormous, even for Durant's age, even with the injury liabilities, even with the relative lack of leverage for the Nets. He he is under contract for three more years, which which means that this is not going to be some sort of short-term rental, and that has to be factored into the volume. But like I don't know. If the Sixers are willing to put Maxi on the table, plus a bunch of picks, if the, if the Grizzlies are willing to put Desmond Bain on the table, if if the Timberwolves would put Cat on the table, like, did, is any of that appealing to you? Obviously, Jalen Brown in Boston. I don't think any of that's, none of that's appealing uh, at this trade deadline. I mean, in the offseason, if he just, if he's able to kind of convince you that he is just done and isn't going to put 100% into the next season and then you decide you absolutely have to trade him and then you can have a full sort of bidding war with weeks to kind of evaluate offers mm-hmm. and stuff like that, then maybe you could build something around a Jalen Brown or um, build something around Brandon Ingram or something like that. But I, I don't really see Desmond Bain or Tyrese Maxey being a – a uh, you know viable headliner for the from the Mets or from the net standpoint. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I love Desmond Bain, and I think Tyrese Maxey is going to be you know big time scorer for a long time. But I don't think you you know those are kind of guys who are sort of second or third best player on a title team in their prime. I don't think they're headliners for Durant mm-hmm. from the vantage point of the net. Is there any world in which OKC? With all the draft capital, you could put Chet Holmgren on the table. You could put, you know, five more first rounders on the table. Like, is that in any way realistic? Uh, I don't think. I, I think the Thunder really like where they're at, and they're just not yeah. going to mess with anything like that. No, I'm with you on that. And look, from the net side of things, I, I don't think you should accept any sort of package built around a player who's older than what, like 27, maybe. 
Uh, like you're not assuming that the Nets were to trade Kevin Durant, whether it would be before Thursday or sometime this offseason, that would signal the full rebuild. Like at that point, you're just trying to recoup as much draft capital as you can. You're trying to get young players like competing in the short term to me is, is kind of off the table if you're trading KD. Yeah, but the, yeah, but yeah, I mean, Joseph's side is very clearly not wanted to do a rebuild and, and they don't control their own draft uh, after this year. So they right. can't they can't do like a good rebuild. They basically have to do if if it gets to the point where they have to trade KD, they basically have to do what they did the first time when they first sort of built up that Dinwiddie D'Angelo Russell team out of nothing, like which was a, an incredible uh, rebuild on the fly without premium draft picks. And that's kind of what you know, that's Scott Mark, Sean Marks' sort of biggest uh, accomplishment is that that rebuild without those picks. And that's what they basically have to do again. But that's so hard and it takes so long. And the payoff is only kind of getting back to sort of a, being a mid 40 win team. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's not a, a button that Joe Sy is going to push until he just has no other choice. All right, let's talk about some guys who will actually probably be traded or at least have a realistic chance to be traded before Thursday. Uh, I'm looking at DraftKings right now in the sports book uh, that they have, you know, basically yes, no, will these players be traded by the deadline odds? And uh, Jay Crowder and Cam Reddish are the two with the lowest odds. I don't really want to talk about Jay Crowder. I am, I am not convinced he's a difference maker. I don't think that's a fun conversation. Cam Reddish, uh, I mean, he's, he's your favorite player's favorite player, but like maybe that's the Lakers' big splash is, is bringing in Reddish. But man, I, I, are, are you already kind of sick of of hearing about Cam Reddish being the next Tracy McGrady at some point? Like every young player seems convinced that it's going to happen. I I want him on the Wolves. Uh, I just want I want him and Anthony Edwards to be on the same team. Okay, and see what uh, what could come of that. But other than that, I'm not interested. Yeah, either that or he needs to like reunite with with Zion or reunite with R.J. Barrett, kind of like pairing. Sure. Malik Monk and De'Aaron Fox. Like to me, that's really the only option. I, I will say having him be coached by Tom Thibodeau, probably not ideal. Doesn't seem like a great <laughs> match personality wise. Um, but beyond those two, we, we get into a pair of Toronto Raptors. OG Ananobi minus 600 to be dealt before the deadline. Fred Van Bleet minus 400. Where are you at on Toronto at this point? It, it feels to me like the Raptors have been kind of waiting for this team to prove that it's more than it is. And They've won like five of their last eight. They've been on like a semi-heater by their standards over the last couple of weeks, but I, I'm still not really convinced. And you know, this team is five games under 500 at the 50 game mark. So I, I don't think anything has changed to me as far as the availability of guys like Ananobi and Ben Vliet. I think they can be had at the right price. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I would recommend... What I would do if I was Masai is I would trade uh, Ananobi, Van Vliet, and Siakam mm. um, because I just think Siakam – and I would hold Gary Trent and and hold Scotty Barnes. Build around sort of try, <laughs> try to build around Scotty Barnes with, with shooting. I mean, I think that you know they don't have enough shooting um, to build a team around Scotty Barnes. I think the gap in age between Siakam and Barnes is wide enough that uh, if you could just get premium assets for Siakam, I think that makes sense. You would, if you trade all three of those guys, you probably lose enough games uh, to get you know within shouting distance from a lottery odds standpoint, um, and. Yeah, I mean, I, I, that's what I would do. I think kind of it's sort of a half measure to just trade. I don't know. It depends what you're getting, I guess, for in terms of players for OG and Van Vliet. But um, I'd, I'd say just trade all three if you're going to trade two or if you're going to trade one. Uh, Van Vliet, actually, I think is more likely to be traded than OG uh, just because it seems like there's just a ton of smoke uh, regarding him leaving. Uh, a lot of buzz about the magic offering him like a, a massive contract. Um, so this does sort of feel like get what you can for him now um, time with Van Vliet. And then same thing with Ananobi, but I do think they're going to, they're going to hold a firm line with him because of how big of a swing piece he can be. Uh, and if they don't get the asking price that they want with him, they can move him 
in the off season or they could even try to resign him. Um, but I, I don't know if I like the the odds at minus 600 on Ananobi, minus 400 on Van Vliet. You know, I think those are – people are going to want to bet on guys to get traded. So I think the odds are just going to run a little too high on, on most of these guys. Yeah, I, I, I kind of phrased it incorrectly when I introduced these. Like, there's not a there's not a yes no option. It's, it's basically just yes. Will they be traded? Uh, so you can't bet the you, know, you can't bet the contrary on that. So no, I, I would not say there's a lot of value in betting anybody who is lower than minus two hundred. Um, yeah, you know, I, I mean like Bojan Bogdanovic minus two hundred to be moved. Like, yeah, I think he has a pretty good chance to be traded. Like, if you, if you want to throw down a decent amount of money where you're netting a a solid return, go for it. Same with Eric Gordon. At minus 200, but yeah, minus 600, absolutely not. Um, I think you're spot on about both of those situations. Like the magic, it's sticking their necks out for Van Vliet, I, I think is interesting. Uh, just kind of not really the type of team that you would necessarily expect to be in a sweepstakes like this, given where they are. But uh, I think that could only drive the price up. And then with OG, like if they do trade him, do you have a favorite landing spot? It, it kind of feels like everybody's debating New Orleans versus Memphis. And I, I think either of those would be really fun. Uh, I like I like Memphis more. Um, I think they could win the title this year. I don't. I think that'd be a little too ahead of schedule for the Pelicans, and they they sort of already have their Ananobi types. Like that, you know, they have Herb Jones. Uh, they have nice pieces on the wing. I think what they need more than anything is a is a stretch five and a better point guard, like a, a guy who uh, is, is more of a true point guard than, than CJ McCollum. Like I, I think those are sort of their two weak areas. I don't really think the wing is a huge weakness for them, but it's kind of the, the opposite for the Grizzlies. They need to sort of upgrade uh, the, the Dylan Brooks spot uh, in their closing lineup. So I think he's, a, a better fit there and a, a potential swing piece for them. Yeah. I think it's more interesting for Memphis because it would be such a change and such an upgrade. Whereas like new Orleans has been getting great minutes out of the Trey Murphy, Najee Marshall, Herb Jones trio. Yeah. So like OG and is kind of a souped up version of, of some of those guys combined. I get that, but I also would be a little cautious to punt on those guys, especially with how cheap, and how young they are. I mean, Herb Jones, the way we talk about him reminds me a lot of how we talked about Ananobi in his second year. So like, I, I don't, I feel like for Memphis, it would be more of an instant difference maker than it would be for New Orleans when, when they're healthy. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, I think, you know, the, the, uh, the Pelicans have the pieces to go get anyone. Uh, whereas I think the Grizzlies assets are sometimes over-exaggerated just because, their their picks are just not that valuable, right? Because they're they're going to be picking uh, towards the back of the first round for the foreseeable future, mm-hmm. and they don't really have the premium stuff from other teams like the Pelicans do. So, um, definitely got to watch out for New Orleans in terms of big game hunting at this deadline. Uh, and the and they have exciting young. They have multiple young players who are exciting at multiple positions. You know, Dyson Daniels is a, is a good prospect. Devontae uh, Graham. <laughs> what, what are Devontae Graham's odds on here? Um, <laughs> uh, Devontae Graham is off the board, I, I, uh, I believe. He, he, he must have a no trade clause. Uh, Memphis, um, by the way, I, I, I didn't... I don't, what trade is this from? Uh, you, maybe you can remind me. They, they do own the 2024 first-round pick from the Warriors, and it's only top four protected. And top one protected in 2025, unprotected in 2026. So you know who knows where the Warriors are at three years from now. Uh, but that could get a little interesting. I, I don't. What deal would that, that be from? Is that, that some, from 2019? Something to do with Iguodala. Oh yes, I, I think you're probably right. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, no, I don't know. I don't know. I'll, I'll have to trace that back uh, later in the pod because it, it said the deal is from 2019, which I believe Iguodala came back later because he was he was with the heat in between there i don't know we're we're talking ourselves in circles but either way you're right new orleans has significantly more you know future draft capital from the davis and and from the holiday deals uh we talked about the lakers russell westbrook is minus 320 to be traded i i I think the lakers would love to move russell westbrook i think they would have loved to move him for kyrie irving you know the question is 
what's what's the backup plan? Because they're gonna they're going to do something. Chances are it won't be that impactful. But um, you know, it, obviously Russ would have to be involved if you're trading for anybody with any real money uh, on their deal. So is it Gary Trent? Is it Bogdanovich? Like, are, are they the Eric Gordon team? Like, um, you know, if, if Russell Westbrook is this heavily favored to be traded, who's coming back? Uh, I don't think he's likely to be traded. Honestly, I, I think these odds are just because people see Russell Westbrook and trade rumors like all the time on the internet. So people just assume he's going to get traded, but, uh, there's not another trade. Like we just kind of um, attended the Lakers 2023 funeral earlier in the show. So why would they trade Westbrook now? Like that, that was sort of the death knell for them not getting Kyrie. So now if you trade Westbrook, you still have to attach assets to get off of him and you're not improving your title chances. So I, I think they just have to ride this into the off season now. Yeah. Unless that true difference maker emerges. Like I, I think like, Bradley Beal is like the one life raft that is to me like drifting further and further rapidly away from shore. Uh, I, I don't, I don't know who else you know, really makes a difference. I don't think attaching assets to bring in Gary Trent or bring in Bogdanovich changes anything. Um, I, I don't think John Collins moves the needle for the Lakers. So yeah, let's, let's just move on. No more Lakers talk. Um, unless we talk about LeBron breaking the scoring record uh, at the end of the pod, Mason Plumlee minus two fifty. Uh, he, Gary Trent, and KD all at minus 250. I, I think a little bit of uh, goosing going on with Durant and those odds. I, I don't think he's likely to be dealt either. I'd be pretty surprised if Plumlee isn't. I, I think there are a few teams that can talk themselves into 15 to 20 minutes of Mason Plumlee, maybe in a starting role, maybe off the bench. Um, but for fantasy purposes, I, we've been clamoring for this for weeks. Like I, I want to see a fully unleashed Mark Williams. And I, I think Walker Kessler has kind of set the standard for rookie big men this season. We're not going to see that level of production. Uh, but Mark Williams, you know, if he's playing 20, 25 minutes a night the rest of the way, I think he can do enough defensively to, to be viable. Yeah, definitely. Um, that's, I mean, whoever's left over, I, I, I mean, I don't know. It's Charlotte is so kind of incompetent that you can't, even when it, there's no reason to not trade certain players, you, you still can't guarantee that it's going to happen. But, I would assume they're going to move a, a couple veterans at least, and then there'll be minutes for guys like like Williams. And uh, I mean, for for a fantasy standpoint, Cam Thomas has been uh, the guy uh, this week. So um, that's there's there's a little fantasy tidbit for you. Go pick up Cam Thomas. Yeah, there's uh, James Anderson's fantasy tidbit of the day. Uh, go get Cam Thomas, who has what like 91 points over the last two games. Uh, yeah, I had somebody chirping me on on Twitter after last night's game because I, I basically, he asked me like a couple days ago after the trade, like who who do you go pick up now in Brooklyn? And I was like, I don't know. I mean, I think Dinwiddie's going to basically absorb all of Kyrie's minutes, and then of course Cam Thomas goes for forty seven like hours later. Uh, I, I don't expect that to continue. I, I do think Cam Thomas will be in the rotation. I think he's done enough just in these last two games to prove that he, he deserves more of a role. But once KD's back, once Dinwiddie's back, like they're th- that kind of shot volume is just nowhere near realistic. No, I mean, I mean, maybe they they sell the ultimate sell high. They Ooh. trade him after back. He could be the first player ever traded after back to back forty point games. What what team would buy in on that? Like, could you could you sucker the Knicks into that? <laughs> uh, does he have any CAA connections? <laughs> that I would have to look into. I have no idea. Um, let's see. John Collins mentioned him briefly. We're going on year three now of this exact song and dance with John Collins. I, I hope for his sake, he gets traded. He's somehow only 25 years old. It, it feels like his career has gone backwards the last couple seasons. I'm still a believer in John Collins. I, I don't think he's a, you know, perennial all-star type of talent who's just ready to break out somewhere else. But I, I think he's much, much better than he's shown the last couple of years. I, I think he has been a victim of playing alongside Trey young, which is difficult to do. Uh, you know, he's had to play alongside Clint Capella, who's you know just kind of does his own thing and is pretty limited. So I, I would love him to be free. Like if, if it's Utah, uh, you know, I don't know, whatever teams are involved with him. Like I, I would love for him to just get out of that situation in Atlanta and, and hopefully return to the player that he was two or three years ago. Yeah, I totally agree with you there. Uh, I know he hasn't shot the ball very well and people have kind of tied that back to like a wrist injury from last season. 
but I love I love the idea of Collins either in Utah or in OKC. I think he'd be uh, a really nice guy for the Thunder to kind of bring in and test drive and you know he could play next to Holmgren that that might be a really nice pairing in the front court uh could really help juice their offense they already sort of defend above their personnel as is so I don't know if he'd hurt them too much there um but I think there's a reason he hasn't been moved either at last year's deadline or the offseason or the prior offseason. And that's because the Hawks want, like they want sort of a massive ball for him, you know, like they're, they're not just willing to sort of treat him as neutral salary to get off of. They want a legitimate uh, pick back at least. And I don't really see, like I could see Danny Ainge or Sam Presti, sniffing around if the price gets low enough, but I don't really see them attaching uh, valuable picks to get him. Yeah. I mean, you hear the like Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt package from Utah, which is understandably underwhelming. If you're Atlanta, I, I get that like trading John Collins, who you know kind of had this up and coming, you know, all-star level player pedigree, not that long ago, like dealing him for those pieces feels like a letdown, but it, it I think at some point they're going to cave. Like I, I don't, I don't think teams are going to be just lining up to to overpay for John Collins at this point. So I, I do have the feeling that like some team is going to get him for a reasonable price, whether it's now or or in the off season. But uh, again, I, I hope he ends up being dealt. Um, what about some of these these lower level teams? Yeah, we mentioned Plumlee in in Charlotte. I, I think Kelly Oubre, Terry Rozier can be had. Uh, you know, Detroit to me doesn't really have anybody other than Bogdanovich. Uh, the Spurs don't have a ton of uh, appealing veterans. Houston's just kind of Eric Gordon. Uh, so it, this deadline to me is unique in, in some ways in that I, I, there's going to be two or three guys, but I don't think there's going to be a host of guys we're running out to grab off the waiver wire once everything settles on Thursday afternoon. No, I mean, I, I like if, if I, I'm looking at the, the guys that have, you know, plus odds and, uh, I don't mind Aiton at plus 200. I don't think I would do any of the other guys who are in plus territory. Uh, maybe Alec Burks. Um, it Maybe Jordan Clarkson at plus 150. Yeah, I was going to say Clarkson. I, I, not a ton of value there, but I, I think about that. Um, but I do, I do think um, Matt Ishbia and the Suns, like Aiton's going to get traded at some point it might not be this deadline might be the off season, but that just seems inevitable. And if they're able to sort of put their stamp on things sooner than later, I think they will. So I, I don't mind eight and at plus 200. Where are we at on the warriors who have just had a, I wouldn't say catastrophic season, chaotic season, I guess is one way to put it. They've seemingly been like one or two games above or below 500 the entire year that they, they haven't had that, just FU Warriors month where they they go like 15 and two. And it doesn't feel like it's coming because I, I don't know when Steph Curry is going to be back. I mean, d- depending on how this recovery goes, I mean, he could be back with like 10 games to play in the regular season and they could be fighting their way into the play in. So it, it feels like we, we've like not talked about the Warriors at all this year. They've just kind of been by their standards a non storyline, which is really surprising. Do they make any moves at the deadline? Like, do, do we see any of these young pieces on the table? Does that even make sense for them at this point? I would, if I were them, I would uh, move Wiseman. Um, you know, basically, best player they can get for Wiseman, I would do that. Uh, I don't know if that's, you know, I think guys like Kelly Olinick would be good fits. Um, Caruso would be a good fit. Uh, but I don't. I just don't know if they're willing to sell that low on Wiseman. Um, but I don't really think Moses Moody has the value to get someone decent. And I don't think they want to trade Kaminga. So it just comes back to how low are they willing to sell on, on James Wiseman? I, pretty low, I think. It's going to have to be the answer at some point. Because I, I don't know that they're going to give him the opportunity, at least this season, to improve his value on the court. Like as long as they're in the playoff mix, which they're going to be, uh, I, I just don't think they could really afford to do that. And yeah, with, with Moody, 
I don't know. I, I feel like if he wasn't on the Warriors, we would we wouldn't even be discussing him as a future asset. But like he he gets this Warriors bump and this Warriors benefit of the doubt developmentally. And I, I know he showed some flashes last year. I I just have never really been a huge fan of his. I, I don't I don't know what what people kind of see in him long term. He hasn't shot it well this year. You know, shot it better as a rookie. It was you know at thirty six percent last year, down closer to thirty five percent this year. Free throw percentage is way down. Um, I mean, he's just been out of the rotation on a lot of nights. So I know they're a deep team. I, I know they, they play a lot of veterans, but uh, to me, I, I think the value of Moody has, has really disintegrated uh, over the last year. Yeah, it's just, it's not a good, um, I just think it's so hard to do what they were trying to do here. And it's just not something I can think of ever really working in the NBA where you're both trying to develop like you're putting a heavy emphasis on development of young players and a heavy emphasis on trying to compete for titles. It just, you can't, you're trying to do two things that are sort of counterintuitive. Mm-hmm. And I think it comes at the expense of the development of all these guys. Like I, like I, Wiseman's been terrible, uh, but I think he's been in just such a bad situation for him. Um, and you know, the same probably goes for the other guys. I mean, props to Jonathan Kaminga for at least showing some, some really impressive flashes still. Uh, but it's just, they were trying to thread the needle and it just, it's not going to work. You are correct, by the way. I, I don't think there are many, if any precedents for what they're, what they were trying to do. Like we've seen teams, you know, add one young piece to a, to an older core. And, you know, if it's somebody like Tim Duncan, who plays like a 10 year veteran from day one, then it works great. And we, we've also seen teams who are are really young and developing contend for titles. You, you think about the like the early Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown Celtics, uh, you know, went to the East Finals basically right away. But one, that was because the East was super weak. And two, they basically turned that team over to the youth. Like there, there's there's very few examples of, you know, having two, three, four guys who you're trying to develop. And yet you're also trying to win, which means that you're you know, six of your eight rotation spots have to be veteran guys. So yeah, I, I think it was a a really difficult needle to thread. And I, I also think they just chose the wrong guy at number two in Wiseman, right? I, I think if you I, if you take if you take LaMelo Ball, obviously things are different. Well, I I remember people, I think we even mentioned it at the time, saying that they should consider Halliburton there. Oh yeah. Because it's a less and like that wasn't that's not a hindsight thing. It would have shocked people if he'd gone that high, but it was something lots of writers were speculating about before right. the draft. And the Warriors could have gotten how, away with it. Like they're they're the team that yeah. could take somebody that high, and people would say, "Oh wow, smart by the Warriors." It's not the Kings doing that, right? It would have it would have gotten praised by all the nerds on draft day, and then it would have eventually gotten uh, you know universally praised by everyone. And like they would, they would just be so unstoppable if they had done that instead. I know, I know. Halliburton went twelfth in that draft. They, I almost feel like they they were bailed out by the fact that other than Lamelo, pretty much everybody else also sucked. After the Wiseman, I don't. Yeah, like, yeah, I mean, the, and and even Lamelo, I don't think Lamelo is. I don't think that's a sliding doors moment. Like it's a no. sliding doors moment. Like LaMelo would have more trade value right now than James Wiseman does. Uh, but I don't think LaMelo would have positively contributed to playoff wins for the Warriors like the past two years. Yeah. I just, I don't. I think there's a chance LaMelo could have been the point guard version of Wiseman if he ends up there. I really do. Yeah. I, I think oh, personality, yeah. I think personality wise, I mean, I, I can't lie. Like I was as out on LaMelo as I've been on any top three draft prospect in the last decade. So I'm, I'm not going to turn around and say that I was like clamoring for them to take LaMelo ball. I, I thought he was going to be a massive failure at the NBA level. So I, I get why they didn't take him. I mean, there were, there were a lot of red flags, obviously positionally you have Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. It didn't feel like a need. I think Halliburton was the guy who felt like he would be easier to slide in at multiple spots. But yeah, after that, it was Patrick Williams, Isaac Okoro, Anyeka Kongwu, who by the way, would have been perfect for this team, mm-hmm. uh, but nobody was yep. clamoring to take him number two. I get that. Killian Hayes, Obi Toppin, Denny Abdia, Jalen Smith, Devin Vassell. And then you get to Halliburton. Yeah. So, I mean, I was not a Anthony Edwards believer in this draft. So it's not like I nailed <laughs> a bunch either, but I, yeah. I mean, we were at least high on Halliburton and, uh, you know, I, I didn't like the Wiseman pick, but 
you know, none of those guys that you read off besides Devin Vassell and Tyrese Halliburton really improve this team's championship odds right now. I don't they should have taken Tyrell Terry at number two, who, by the way, <laughs> is, is now retired. I don't know if you saw that. Oh, nice. Yeah, uh, that was that was one of our misses. I think we were both we were both in on Tyrell Terry. Uh, any other players or teams that you want to hit on pertaining to the trade deadline? Uh, I think the Bucks. Uh, I I don't know. I I want them to just kind of be careful out there. Uh, I'm not sold on the idea of trading multiple rotation players for Jay Crowder, especially if you don't have a chance to like work him out. Um, So I I'm with you on that, like kind of being underwhelming, especially, you know, I think they've got kind of a good thing going right now. And um, I just don't want them to kind of mess with it to add a guy who might not even be, that great you know like you want you want this to be a pj tucker edition and not like a marvin williams slash nicola miritich edition i I think the best thing that ever happened to jay crowder is pj tucker having the impact that he's had late in his career i think everybody just conflates jay crowder with pj tucker now he's not that guy he is not and no no i I, i'm with you like if, if they could get him for basically free like if you could do George Hill, Jordan Nwora in two seconds, like, sure, whatever. I'll, I'll take him for that. But if you're giving up anybody of real value or you're choosing him over someone else, I, yeah, I just, I think he's become really overrated. Like I would take, I would take Jay Crowder, not knowing anything about how well he's going to play over Grayson Allen against just the Celtics. Sure. But I would take Grayson Allen over Jay Crowder against the non-Celtics team. So I don't know. I I like the idea of, of trying to get Bogdanovich. Um, but I don't think that whatever that is, like they can trade the 20, 2029 pick or yeah. something like that. Like I just don't see the Pistons putting much value on that. So um, I'm not going to be devastated if the Bucks don't really do anything. No, me neither. Where are you at on Bochamp, by the way? Like, w- would you put him on the table for anybody who's – you know, not a, a real, real difference maker. No, because you, because he just makes so little that I think he's really important for the roster building the next few years. I also just think he's the best, like young asset that they've had during this run. I, I think he passes the yeah. eye test to a, to an extreme degree. And I would not want to punt on that by any means. Like, I, I don't like, I, I think some people view him and like Jordan Nwora as equal assets. Like, that is not at all the case. Oh, I, no, I don't. Nwora no, no. can have his comp, his Cam Thomas games when the Bucks sit everybody. Uh, but I, I think Bochamp is going to be a real guy for them in a year or two. Is there anyone else outside of Crowder and Bogdanovich who who you would want? Like you know, I'm, I'm seeing Tim Hardaway listed here at like minus one sixty five. No, I know there's no, there's money involved there. No. <laughs> Please no? no, I do not want Tim Hardaway. Um, I mean, Tim Hardaway is basically Grayson Allen. Uh, yeah. I yeah I I just don't think there are many um, you know that what the Bucks need is like players like Dorian Finney-Smith you know um, and they're just teams don't trade players like that for distant first round picks. I'd be okay with stacking enough contracts to get Jordan Clarkson if they could make that work. Oh, actually, um, uh, Malik Beasley I like for the Bucks sure. um, because I just think they need. You know, will he make threes at a higher clip than Connaughton or Allen in the playoffs? I'm not sure, but he at least gets them up a ton, and he's got solid defensive size, even if he's not a good defender. Um, so I would, I would like Beasley. I mean, Clarkson. I just worry a little bit about the defense. I don't think he would get attacked quite as much as Grayson Allen, but I, I still think he'd get attacked. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd be okay with doing something with Utah. Malik Beasley is currently seventh in total made threes this season. He's only yeah. one behind Jason Tatum and two behind Damian Lillard. Yeah, I I like that idea. Um, I I kind of like the idea of trying to somehow steal uh, KJ Martin away from the Rockets on the sure. cheap, but uh, 
I don't see that happening. But yeah, Malik Beasley would be sort of my dream. Don't give up a ton and and get him uh, just sort of see what happens. All right, we'll end on this uh, updated prediction for what we see from LeBron when he breaks the scoring record, which is in all likelihood happening either tonight or on Thursday. Well, uh, our 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 coworker Kob and I are going to watch the Thursday game somewhere. Uh, so if you're in town, you should stop by, and we can really really make a a moment of it. But um, I. I don't know. I mean, it, so he's either going to score at the end of game or the beginning of Thursday's game. Right. He's 36 uh, points away heading into Tuesday night. I, I definitely hope he saves it for Thursday. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I really, I want basically everyone who is at the Grammys, I want them to be uh, yep. courtside at, at Staples Center. <laughs> <laughs> like as many celebrities as possible. I want I want LeBron to dap up multiple celebrities before he daps up his first teammate. Yes. Uh, <laughs> did you did you see the Wilbon interview where he laments not being able to get Kyrie? Wait, what? Oh oh LeBron with Wilbon? Yeah. Oh yeah. Well of course. Like, like a day after the trade and he's he's publicly sad about not being able to get Kyrie. Yeah, it's I, I, I'm still waiting for DraftKings to put up the like, you know, which celebrities will be in attendance. Uh, but I, I think we're going to know early tonight, uh, like who's who's there. Like if, if there's like if Jay-Z's courtside, he's not always courtside like that. That might tell us LeBron is going to make a point to score 36 points tonight. Like he's uh, like the, one of the best things, uh, one of many great things about LeBron is that he pretends like he's not calculating, but then yeah. it's so obviously calculating. So we're, I, I think we're yeah. going to know early on, like which day he plans to break it. I think, I just, I think he's going to wait till Thursday because that way everyone can be there and know that they're getting it. Mm-hmm. Whereas tonight it would just be embarrassing for him if a bunch of his friends yeah. paid to sit courtside and he didn't get it. True. It's, it, it the most interesting scenario is if he like I I think you're right. He probably prefers to do it on Thursday, but it's like, what if they need him to score 38 tonight to beat the Thunder? Like, does he does he sacrifice a loss <laughs> in order to break the record in cooler fashion on Thursday? Uh man, I don't know. I think he's he's gonna have to really do some make some hard decisions at halftime. Yes, Tuesday, and really sort of figure out how he wants to play this. I, I think if you could find, and I'm sure you can somewhere, I don't feel like looking it up right now, but uh, if you can get like LeBron under on the first half points, like I, I could see him taking it easy, easing in tonight, making sure he doesn't score too many. You don't want to get too hot in the first half uh, and, and, you know, really kind of set yourself up for, for breaking that on Thursday, which is a much bigger game. Like both of these games are on TNT, you know, TNT kind of did the math before the season and made sure that they had these, but I mean, Bucks Lakers is a much much bigger draw nationally, and, and a Thursday night versus a Tuesday night, uh, same thing applies. And he can't. There'd be nothing more embarrassing than to break the record in a loss to the Thunder, and at home. <laughs> so I just, yeah. If you, if you're gonna break it Tuesday night, you better better do it in a win. Yeah, right. Well, and the thing is, if he breaks it on Thursday, like maybe he needs only five points, so he could do it early in the game, yeah. and then they right. could lose by twenty, and it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and he okay. can just he can lose. They'll lose the game, and it'll all be because you know he was sort of he's overwhelmed. It's all about the record and everything. Yeah, so I, I think yeah. Thursday night is is the smart money. Uh, I'll be watching it. Yep. Um, oh, I'm gonna be excited. I'm gonna be locked in. We're gonna be doing the the XM show. Uh, I think during part of that game. Oh wait, no, it'll, it'll end. I think right before uh, right before that game starts. So fantastic! I will. This is a big moment for me. You know, I've I've, I've rode with LeBron for a long time. Um, you know, once it became clear that that Tracy McGrady was not going to break the all time record, I, I had the choice to make. And I, I, I the one thing we can lock in is that I, I at some point it could be immediately after. Like I assume they're going to stop the game. Uh, you know, Adam Silver is going to be there. They'll it, this could go on like 15, 20 minutes. I, I don't think there are any. There's really any uh, limit for for the kind of pageantry that we're going to see here. But LeBron will declare that he's not a scorer. And he's never thought about himself as a scorer. So here's a I, this needs to be a prop bet. Uh, if it if he doesn't break it Tuesday night, 
does Giannis take any practice free throws during LeBron's ceremony? <laughs> I think we see a very just kind of <laughs> malaise Bucks team. You know, I, th- I think some some kind of polite golf clapping, um, and then just kind of annoyance at how long this is going on. Will LeBron cry? Do you think? Uh, n- n- no, I don't think so. I don't. I know. don't know. I. I don't think so. Um, you know, will he? <laughs> will he like do any sort of advertising for Lobos tequila? Um, <laughs> will he drink tequila I, right after breaking the record? <laughs> will Will Draymond be there? Did we figure that out? When does... um, so the Warriors <laughs> do not play on Thursday. He could be there. They play. They're at Portland on Wednesday. And they are home for the Lakers on Saturday, so he's going to be there. He'll be there. I he Draymond needs to be courtside with the tequila, yes, <laughs> with Maverick Carter. I need, yeah, with the and fellas, I, just the boys. I do, I do want Obama there and Jay Z there, um, and obviously, I mean Adele will be there. Um, so this, I mean, it's going to be a great night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, no question about it. I'm looking at the the roster of clutch sports athletes uh, who could potentially be in in uh, attendance. And you know, I think we'll see Eric Eric Bledsoe. I don't know what else he has going on. Uh, I think we could see Lonzo Ball. <laughs> He's just been kind of hanging out for a while. I could see Montrezl Harrell making the trip. Uh, I don't know what the what the Sixers have going on on Thursday. They're they're off. He, he could be there. Um, but yeah, I, I think Draymond and Jay Z are the two that we could lock in for sure. <laughs> Oh man, it's gonna be so great! All right, man. Well, we'll wrap it here. I, I think we are uh, we're reaching that point officially uh, when we start talking Jay Z prop bets. But uh, looking forward to seeing what happens with LeBron this week. Very much looking forward to the deadline on Thursday, uh, and looking forward to chatting with you, uh, whether it's via Slack on this pod on the XM show, uh, you know, with all the fallout after the deadline. So uh, thanks for taking the time, dude. Sounds good. Go Bucks. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.